Welcome to the Energy Update presented by the Institute for Energy Research for the week of June 8th, 2020. I'm Alex Stevens, and I'm joined by IER's Deputy Director of Public Policy, Jordan McGillis. Jordan, what do we have going on this week at IER? Hi, Alex. We've got a really strong mix of content this week at IER, ranging across uh, several different realms in the, the energy sphere. We've got a piece that looks forward to the 2020 election and analyzes some of the potential policies we might see from a Joseph Biden if he is to be elected president. He has a $1.7 trillion climate plan as part of his package right now that would include various proposals for increased government spending, new federal taxes, and a recommitment to the Paris Agreement. And this all comes in the wake of the coronavirus economic crisis. Many countries, if you look to contemporaries like Germany or other wealthy countries like Denmark, they're pulling back a little bit from their climate and emissions restrictions as a way of shoring up their economies uh, as they move through this crisis. Biden, though, has um, remained firmly committed to what we see as a very costly and, and economically damaging approach. We also have a piece that looks at how emissions data and air pollution data have changed and emerged in the wake of the coronavirus shutdowns. There's been a lot of chatter informally about emissions uh, being on the decline because people aren't driving as much, factories aren't being as productive. But interestingly enough, according to the EPA's air quality monitors, levels of particulate matter have not been lower during the lockdowns uh, caused by the coronavirus pandemic, and in fact, um, have been higher in some places than the median level over the last five years. And what this points to is just a reminder that there are a lot of factors that go into air quality, and emissions on the ground are, are just one of those. Uh, weather is a big factor, and, and other natural sources of particulates are major influences on air quality, not just emissions. So though we have seen less traffic, fewer tailpipe emissions, it isn't necessarily the case that we are ipso facto going to see lower levels of particulates in the air. We also are, are now three years removed from President Trump's announcement that the U.S. would withdraw from the Paris Agreement. That took place in the first week of June in 2017. Um, and we're approaching the date when the U.S. will officially exit, which will come the day after the election in November. So we have a piece from our economist David Kreutzer discussing the many drawbacks of the Paris Agreement, namely uh, that it would impose great costs on um, economies across, across the globe, including the United States, while delivering very little in terms of actual uh, temperature moderating effects, which is what the, the intention of the agreement, of course, would be. Then we also have a piece discussing a potential development in Lake Erie. Um, Ohio has approved a new wind farm to be developed on the lake. This would be North America's first offshore project to, to be placed in freshwater. This is an enormous over $100 million project and it's being partially funded by a DOE grant of $40 million. So we will keep our eye on that as it moves through the, the various other permitting uh, requirements and moves towards um, its construction. And then also I wanted to turn it over to you, Alex, to discuss your uh, recent piece on the developments in, in flaring technology and how we've seen the market really step up and, and demonstrate why we think it's such a great thing. 
yeah, an article uh, that I think we just put up today that um, talks about this new technology called the cryobox, which basically is a plant that can convert uh, methane emissions at new uh, drilling sites into liquefied natural gas. And these uh, these plants basically fit on the back of a tractor trailer and can be moved around from different well sites pretty easily. So it is sort of too early to tell exactly the impact that they'll have, but um, it's being pointed to as a way that the industry could be uh, be able to limit the amount of uh, flaring of methane emissions that they do. So, um, yeah, that piece is up on our website today. I, it, yeah, it really piqued my interest. Um, I'm wondering if you know, once that gas is liquefied, is it being transported on those trucks? Uh, no, I think they bring in separate um, separate tankers to move it. But the the important part is that just when they're developing a new well site, obviously the reason that they flare oftentimes is because they don't know if the the new well is going to be able to produce how much natural gas and stuff is going to be produced yet so they don't invest in the infrastructure to move all of the gas so this technology because of its mobility sort of allows them to convert it into the lng and then uh bring in the other tankers that can transport it either to to like an lng export terminal or wherever it needs to okay go. well as described this sounds really promising and it really speaks to um, one of the points that we love to make here, which is that markets work to align our interests. And often that's to the benefit of even those concerned about environmental uh, issues such as venting and flaring. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it was something to me that was always just completely absent from the discussion about methane emissions is the fact that companies obviously have a financial incentive to capture that gas and sell it on the market. So to me, it seems sort of obvious that companies would be investing in technology that would help them do that. And it at least appears here that there's at least one new piece of technology that's emerged that is allowing them to do that. Agree. And I like that you pointed out in the article that this shouldn't come as a surprise because this is uh, exactly what you'd expect when people are trying to capture value and reduce their costs. Yep. Anything else for this week? That's it. Well, thank you, Jordan. All those articles and more of the work from my year's staff can be found at our website, instituteforenergyresearch.org. Until next week, I'm Alex Stevens.